I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Magician Nelson Lugo. Hi, I'm nerdcore rapper Shafer the Dark Lord. We're best friends who hate each other's guts. And we co-host the Epic Podcast. A monthly show in which we discuss comic books, video games, television, movies, our debilitating emotional problems, and Batman. So much Batman. That's the Epic Podcast on the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Be safe, Internet. Bye. Seriously, so much Batman. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. So what's going on, guys? Nothing, just enjoying my sweet, sweet Thursday. Mm. Yeah, Thursdays are the best day now. This is going to launch on a Monday, but I, I, I dig yeah. this. We record on Thursdays, secrets mm-hmm. out. I eat Taco Bell on Thursdays because don't feel like cooking. I feel like pooping on Friday, and that's why I do <laughs> And that's why I do yes. this. I thought the last session went really well. Yeah. Even though I rolled like garbage. It seemed like the amount of danger made you guys take it seriously, especially because the last two fights were so dangerous. Yeah. You know? I think we're uh, realizing we have to be a team. It worked well, though. You yeah. Guys, you guys made a lot of good choices. I noticed that uh, Keith or uh, Nesbitt was very conservative. Well, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> but it worked out for him. Like, yeah. It, he, he really... Uh, Having them being across the room from each other, I think, led to that. Yeah. And I think Battle Order mattered the way we, we set it up that very way. Very much so, A yeah. lot. And Having um, our healer go not first. Yeah, that helped a lot, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, tank first, healer last, worked. It was, uh, what was the order you set it on? Is tank, melee damage, range, range damage, damage, healer. Healer. Yeah. And that was... And the healer did a significant amount of range damage as well. Yes. Yes. That's something I kind of was thinking about Scoundrel, and how do we differentiate them from Champion in the higher tiers? Because they don't have any, other than Backstab, they don't have anything really that makes them sneaky or mm-hmm. fulfill the classical role of the Scoundrel, the Rogue, the Cut Purse. In depictions of them in media, what do you find defines a good one or an interesting one? Well, I think if if we're talking about combat, because remember, professions, you can, for mm-hmm. your skills and everything, you can go whatever direction yeah. you want to. So if that's the character, you could be a cut purse who is a everything radiance. You could 100% be the rogue in that sense. Yeah. Um, or the party face, which is something the rogue tends to be yeah. so in I a think lot of things. Scoundrel's more like dirty fighting. Yeah. Um, opportunity, opportunist. Well, I think, what about the people who like the idea of poisons and traps and that kind of thing? Ooh. I don't know what the right answer is because the idea of, um, do you build a trap before battle? Do you spend a move action to set up a trap? Poisoning, I think, is easier to deal with. Yeah. But I do like the idea of maybe spending an attack action to not take an attack to set up a trap that will devastate somebody to route them into. Or even if it just covers one of your flanks or you could use the defensively or offensively yeah adding a little bit of situational or tactical defense to that path going forward Mm -hmm. 
could be really interesting. Because well, that's the idea is being yeah. clever, right? Like, um, uh, but mo- I, th- I think movement you have to... stuff could be cool. Caltrips, caltrips. Yeah, that kind of like what Liam said about setting something up that'll be devastating. But like the problem is making it so that it doesn't cross over with command. Yes, yes. But I think as long as we keep it to tool based solutions, mm-hmm. maybe that'll work. So I was thinking for at level three, and this is just an idea, is that everybody gets a per scene tool-based solution so like Mm -hmm. for fire you could create three orbs of fire that can float wherever you put them wherever your hands can reach put your hand there create an orb leave it there you can have three at a time when you create another one the earliest one you you had disappears all right so you could think of multiple ways to use those ice you can create items that persist until the end of the scene we just watched the rock last night the vx gas so oh, that's yeah. just making me think of like just some Ooh. necrotic orb you can set where someone to step on it. That's super cool if you combine it with any melee class. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That would be functional, but more importantly is viscerally, that's fun to play. Where like, I don't have a sword. I make my sword every fight. Mm-hmm. It's kind and, of a and, cool idea. And maybe um, ice, you can create two items and they can persist until the end of the scene, but you can't concentrate enough for more than two. Something like that. Because you have to maintain them, otherwise they just melt and shatter. Because they're not hard enough unless you're concentrating on them. And you have to replenish them as they're being used because they're flaking off and you're just... Yeah. (sighs) Okay, so I just thought of an ice rogue who just... Two icicles as his daggers. (laughs) If somebody's generally going to be attacked and Mm -hmm. maybe they're just... All they need to do is run, you can just give them a shield. Yeah. And it would be a heavy shield. And they're like, all right, here we go. I feel like that could work. It's so... Like, that's versatile and I like it. Maybe the uh, fire ones is... If you stand in that space, you take just 1d6 fire damage or something like that. Something simple. Yeah. These aren't blazes, but they're... Yeah, just... Man, it is fire. Yeah. Being, being able to... It provides light. Yeah, being thing. able to light a decent area without a raging fire sounds great. Yeah. Especially with, like... The amount of control that it takes to do that would warrant it being level three. Same with creating items yeah. size. I don't know what anybody else should get, Decay, Champion, something like that, but everybody should get some kind of tool that is utilitarian in that sense. So I just want to think about that. We can, we it, can talk about it later because we haven't even finished step two yet. Yeah, my final thought on the idea of what that utility tool item will be is group-based interplay and really drive that concept mm. of the game home. Both of those can be used in and out of combat. In and out of combat, not just personally, situationally. They're versatile and they will change the way your group interacts with everything. Could you use one of those fire orbs as like a Molotov cocktail? Like stick it to a bottle of pitch, chuck it? I think yes. Yeah, that would, sure. That would be fun. Or you could do the opposite with, with ice. You could have a Molotov cocktail and mm-hmm. freeze the mouth of it so that it will melt at a certain time. That's cool. Just something to think about ice when we, as we just, get into step three. Ice is so cool. It is. I'm worried it might be too good, except for then I look at other things and they're also very good. Decay, we're going to have a, a tough one for. I got a couple ideas, but uh, they're not even in their infancy yet. I was just thinking that sensor that we got our shit kicked in by with some kind of miasma. Yeah. So you just. I'm against sensors. I was hit by one, one too many times, Yeah, which was once. So we talked about inventory slots, that kind of thing, and how 20 get is one slot. Mm -hmm. We didn't really do the math to figure out how big that would be. Yeah. So I did, and I think it's fine. Okay. um, Because we're talking about aluminum, we were saying that, so one Savoy is about the size of a credit card, but double thickness, Uh I think we said. Yeah. Well, that's a known volume. You multiply that by the number of grams per cubic centimeter. That volume takes up. Multiply that by 20, and then another 20. And you get something that takes up three liters uh-huh. and weighs 16.67 pounds. 16 pounds? 
Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. It's heavy, yeah. right? But yeah. that's one slot. So it, now if we think about the slot system that we just talked about, we were saying that as much stuff as you can carry without being encumbered, you always get two slots. So uh-huh. if you imagine you carry 30 pounds without being encumbered, okay, just yeah. baseline. And if you have an endurance of one, add 16 pounds to that. Mm-hmm. And you just keep adding a slot for every point in endurance you have. I don't feel like that's crazy. No. Because if you have a four in endurance, you're a beast. Yeah. And it should be reflected because you're able to carry six slots. That's <laughs> that's enormous. What's six times 16.67? Yeah, that's 100 pounds. I Which feel like you if were, you have a four in endurance, man, you're blowing me out of the water. Yeah. yeah. You, are, you are a high-profile athlete. Yeah. Yeah, if you can walk around with 100 pounds and that's not the only thing you're thinking about, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. At character creation, four is the highest you can get in anything. So I would say that's fine. So it's easy to think about how, oh, that's a melee weapon. Not because the melee weapon, I mean, often they mm-hmm. weigh about three pounds, you know, but. They're they're larger. They're more cumbersome. Yeah. So if you think of. They th- clank against you. Three liters, that kind of thing. It becomes easier to balance around that. Um, but it also, the fact that we define it as one slot, it can be spread out on your person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I was thinking too that, um, so one of the changes we made mid game or what at the beginning of our last session was that adjacent blast and cone attacks and vectors do not provoke attacks of opportunity because you're not trying to target somebody at range. You're just emitting. You're just it. going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So as the only person who got to use that, that's here. Yeah. What'd you think about it, Liam? Uh, made the utility of the spell much more than the single shot ranged one mm-hmm. that felt great to have that decision so i really enjoyed it cool it opened up command options too yeah it really yes. did. yeah it just gives like i said a quiver you know okay well that's good mm-hmm. i mean we'll, we'll play around with it i was thinking so how do we deal with the vector for burning ray because how do you heal yourself with a vector and it's vital that they do because it's the primary tool to do that with i think maybe it always starts on your square yeah so it can only go out four yeah but it's always on your square and that makes martyr more worthwhile it makes martyr mm-hmm. more, more worthwhile the reduction in range makes you stick closer to your allies mm-hmm. if you yeah. go core radiance the at will which i think is like a healing flare or something like that i forgot the name of it it is a ranged attack with a burst you can be somebody who stays in the back and still heals everybody yeah but if you take one step radiance you're like all right well i'm kind of in the shit i don't have to be in front but i still have to kind of be involved i'm within one turn of someone getting in my face if they really want to another thing too about burning ray i think i should add to the description that you should roll a d20 even if you don't hit any enemies it might crit oh okay yeah so what about skill encounters we had a couple this uh-huh. past play test you had to move boxes that were heavy you had to climb them you had to try to save kaidway from being killed by uh-huh. rubble and you had to have strength to pull her out those are fine i think those aren't interesting because every interesting skill encounter that i can think of it happens by character choice uh-huh. like oh let me see if i can find out more information which is not something that the DM really sets up. Like, that's a choice by the characters. Or in, in Kelton's case, let me see if I can decipher these runes. You didn't. Yeah. And then you rolled to deceive. They rolled to oppose your deception. And they and could not. all of them failed. I didn't orchestrate any of that. Like, I have a difficulty associated with the runes, but it's not, the runes aren't in your way. They're not something that you have to overcome. They're just there. Right. So you have to make the decisions to do skill encounters in that sense. And there's some things where I think, it's good to have a skill encounter like, okay, this enemy is going to do a thing. It's going to grapple you. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just another part of combat. That's not, we're not talking about a skill encounter where that's the primary purpose. Trying to find an information, 
trying to convince somebody of something. I, I think the DM maybe shouldn't create too many of the situations. They need to create the opportunities for them, but it's up to the players. And then allow the players to direct play. Yeah. I was thinking of opposing skill checks. In our system, we don't really have any mind-affecting magics. Yet. Right. But we do have Intimidate. And we have... Deceive. And Deceive. We have not used Intimidate, but we use Deceive. Deception is you roll an intuition. Intimidate, what do you roll? Just Composure. Just plain composure? Yeah, keeping your cool. What would be the skill that you would use to keep your cool? You know what I mean? Like if you had a talent in it? Because intuition is a talent, yeah. right? Mm. Maybe like cool head or something like yeah. that? Street mental, mental fortitude. Composure is almost the best word for it. Maybe unflappable? Ooh, Something like that? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. We can, we can yeah. <laughs> settle with that. Like, I'm unflappable. And that'll be good to use against fear as well. Yeah. So somebody's trying to lie to you, intuition works. If you're trying to suss out what somebody is really after, intuition works, even if they haven't lied. Okay. And the more we're playing, the more that we're using and spending momentum, the more I realize that maybe the cost of going down a step shouldn't increase. Maybe it should stay 30 the whole time. Because you're spending as you go so much? Yeah. Maybe it should stay 30 the whole time. It seems like because of that, we are going to level up, for lack of a better word, more rarely than you would in D&D if you just did 10 encounters because there's mm-hmm. there's so many variations on how you're going to do it mm-hmm. and where the momentum is coming from. Because that 30, can, if that leaves you below 5, you're you're taking a huge risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At 5, you're taking a huge risk. Yeah. yeah. Like, At I mean, 5, you're taking a giant risk. It seems like I would want a minimum of 15. At mm-hmm. this That'd stage like, that's yeah that is the minimum I, i'm requiring myself to have like if your minimum is 20 you're the kind of chess player who doesn't move their back row yeah which is not a dumb thing to do but also in that sense how do we deal with damage scaling you're going to get hit points every time that you take a step down a path uh-huh well the enemies are going to they're going to increase in difficulty through their damage and the hit points yes. that they take you're going to gain abilities that increase your damage and that augment the damage you already do uh-huh. as you take steps down those paths except if you purchase an attribute the new skills if we add in new dailies or different encounter options that's once an encounter you're doing something better Mm. that's a one-time shot where even if it's three weapon damage that's significant and that'll change your overall average damage Mm -hmm. per encounter and you can also miss your thing you're doing every turn might not increase that much to third level yeah and i was thinking too maybe we don't need to increase damage maybe we just need to create options but then i thought well you're gaining Hit points, Hit every, points. Lo- every level. So then what's the max per path gain right now? Citadel has six. Six. That's a lot. That's a turn. But you think about that, a turn across everybody is a round. Yeah. So you don't want it going on an extra round every time mm-hmm. somebody goes one step up. That's not killer right now for what we're doing. Not yet. We need to scale it with the damage increases of the paths. Like if we're doing the tool skill for third level mm-hmm. and not a damage dealing one, your damage could go up, but those are situational. It might not apply to every combat. And if the damage of enemies scales up and your health scales up, but the party's damage doesn't increase that much, that's also going to extend play. Mm-hmm. But is that a good thing? That's the thing. Does that make the game more fun? I don't know if it does. You know I don't I mean? know either. I don't well, know. If, if it does it sometimes, as long as there's variety, that's fun. Another thing I was considering is let's toy around with the idea that instead of making it so that you can purchase attributes with momentum, what would it change if you got an extra attribute, just one, every three steps? You go down three steps, you spent 90 momentum, and you just get one. Because it's keeping a secondary count of momentum that Mm -hmm. you've gained, that's great. The only thing 
is if there's no restrictions to where you're dumping it, then it gets rid of the... I guess we're if we're getting rid of the increased momentum cost for paths, might as well do it for... Yeah. Yeah, that works. Well, because if we think about it, too, if, if it takes you three steps of purchasing something, you start off, it doesn't count anything you just did. Yeah. You have to spend 90 momentum to even get one, one attribute. Yeah. I don't that's think a that's big, unbalanced. That's yeah. a big investment. Because people will be like, oh, well, you have three strength and you're, you're a scoundrel. Now you have four. Your sneak attack is 4d6. It's like, yeah, but we've gone a long way since that I created mm-hmm. that character. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a huge difference. And if taking a path it takes longer than leveling up in D&D, functionally in the game, taking three steps down a path isn't the same as leveling up three times. No. Might be better, honestly, in oh, some think, in I, some cases. I, yeah, I think it is better. That's what D anD D does. Yeah, like every four levels, you get plus one to two separate yes attributes. But I think we have the, lower attribute costs, so two wouldn't make any sense. Two would be two would a be lot. unreasonable. I, I would, think so. At least seeing how combat works so far, like you need be, a lower chance to hit in general. Um, spending well, ninety momentum or going down three steps of the same path going Any down three, three steps yeah not even the same path okay so just Once spending taken... 90 momentum you've gone down three steps you get an attribute yeah i like that okay the other way i think it would be pigeonholing yeah yeah and so far i'm really happy with all the combinations that we've come up with yeah of, of how these things can work together I, I don't think there's really it's really i mean if you look at katie's character alone yeah. it's hard to say that you've pigeonholed that no. character in anything no. i just love to think of kelton getting his like one in intelligence yeah, and he's just like, I'm finally he's, smart. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's learned something yeah. finally. Yeah. So one is slightly above average. Yeah, mm-hmm. essentially. Yep. I took a semester at community college. All right. So a big part of the world building thing that'll help new players get into the game is giving them examples of cultures. The path document that we released for patrons has three example character concepts for each path. Yeah, which is great. And each character concept tries to go a little outside of expectations so mm-hmm. that you can see you can kind of bridge things together so i want to do that for racial cultures and i want to get three for each we have two already in the bag for the tolden we haven't talked about this much on the podcast but for the tolden we have the akinosians yes mm-hmm. which uh have the Akis, the currency those little akinosian coins and there is currently a civil war going on with the akinosians they're an empire there's a younger brother Older brother, younger brother. Yeah, older brother, younger brother. Older brother is the rightful heir, and everybody loves him. He's great in battle. The younger brother is the better administrator. Administrator. Yeah. Yeah. But the king died and named the younger brother his successor because he values administration more than Mm -hmm. valor. The Church of Baratus, is that split? Did we talk about that being split between the brothers as well? Yeah, I think that's Mm -hmm. that's a good thing, too. I think— We'll keep the description brief for yeah. the Akinosians, but I like that idea that we could have an entire book on where different things stand on the Akinosian War. Yeah. I also think we have two at least basic ideas for the Hrod. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a nomadic culture, and then there's the monolithic. Oh, megalithic. Pseudo-Egyptian. So let's let's throw that in. I wrote down a bunch of ideas. I love your notebook and then your smaller version of the same notebook. I prefer the smaller one. Because it's just it's, my pocket. Yeah, and it's easier to carry around. Your goddamn time traveler's this handwriting. Is, this is nice. I wrote a bunch of notes on, on ideas that we can go into. This is back when we were calling the guff orcs. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while. All right, so my first first on my list is the guff. Yes. The three that I wrote down, and we can reject all of these if we want to, but it's just the ideas I had back in the day. A seafaring culture. I'm into that immediately. The Romanesque culture, yeah. like the, the Roman mm-hmm. Republic, getting, getting there. I think we've... That's canon. We've yeah. got to figure out what they're yeah. called and how that works. A druidic, shamanistic 
one, which I've kind of introduced into the playtest with Clan Nargabar a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh But we don't have to make that one of the main ones. That can be like offshoot. The idea of a guff just been like, no. Civilization. Yeah, there's there's an empire forming and there's a bunch of guff who are like, no, I'm doing it the way my grandpa did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know you're saying seafaring, but I just like Guff River Pirates just sounds so fucking crazy. Like, so of a river instead of a, across well, the Well, they oceans? would be, they could be coastal, but well, just Yeah, like, well, the whole thing is the Mississippi River where they control a major through line and yeah. it goes from internal along the river to external and they're just like, we run this delta. Right, but is that big enough? Uh, when, I, when I'm thinking cultures, I'm thinking like... No, I think you're coastal, yes, but I think... That if, could, it could run the length of a continent... Looking, if we're looking at like Vikings as like a just as a source, like that's what I'm thinking. So like, much of that was like Paris is not on the coast. They their boats got to Paris. Yeah, you know, like the river raiding is such a cool feature that is forgotten in everything. Maybe instead of thinking about seafaring, more like a uh, water waterway it, culture. Yeah, or... I'm not saying don't call them seafaring, but I'm saying let's not forget how cool. Like everybody builds their city on a river. You'd be like, oh, nobody can get to me, and those mm-hmm. boats had a te- like a real shallow draft, and like. Oh, oh yes, it we was can. Like four oh, yeah. feet, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're ridiculous. So like, yeah, we're coming. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we'll have to come up with ideas of what their boats are like and what they're... Not right now. Half yeah. trader, half raider, though. Let's come up with a name for them so we can start describing them. Should it be boat-related? I don't know. Because it might be the region they came from. Like, whatever we call their boats, they're like people of that boat. All right, so how about the, uh, the sign? C-Y-N-E? All right. The sign people? Sign guff or something. They're known for being great sailors. Mm-hmm. That's it. And we could we create pirates. We can create traders, merchant uh, marines. Yeah, because I imagine yeah mercenaries. The shamanic gulf maybe or or the guff not that fond of water. So like right, they yeah. don't want to be or they even, don't trust the sea. And it could also be a reaction to the more empire. Oh, it's like that empire is well and good, but it this ends is where the, the ocean begins. Yeah, this like, is the life we choose. I don't know if it's true, but I've read things about. Chinese river forts because the wars in China weren't really ocean based. China is based on the rivers. Mm-hmm. The thought of the sign guff having river forts could be pretty badass. Too. Like checkpoints, just anywhere trading like, posts. Yeah, yeah, floating city kind of thing. Maybe there is a floating city. Maybe that's the way. So instead mm-hmm. of them having checkpoints where they block other people off, yeah, they're like you. You don't. You try not to fuck with them too much because they'll outmaneuver you and, mm-hmm. and take you down. They're this ain't or, their first rodeo. Or their yeah. or their city could show up next to yours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you hear their city is coming, you're like, what do we? Who did this? Who? Who or, or they could literally just show up and be like, hey, we hear you have cows. We would yeah. like cows, please. All right. So their city is named Seer. C-E-R-E. All right. So they're the sign and their city is the floating city of Seer. Yeah. Yes. I like this already so much. Maybe not the only one, but that's like. There'd be a large structure that floats. But then there'd also be like a flotilla around it. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Like there's no government there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just kind of show up if you're like, I need to rest. I got a couple ackies on me. I, I got to have a good time out in Seer. A true outlaw city. Yeah. And we have the, a Roman-esque mm-hmm. militaristic culture. My brother, my brother, that kind of... Yes, mm-hmm. I feel like Kelton is of this ilk. Oh, yeah. Let's look for dwarvish names, huh? Or do you want to look at Elvin? Elvish. No. I like the Elvish ones. All right. Okay. I like that because it would be vaguely Roman-esque, like... Negrithil. For listeners, we're on a fantasy name generator... Uh, called Donjon, which is like dungeon. If you Google Donjon, D-O-N-J-O-N, you'll get the RPG tools site and they have name generators. I don't like to waste time talking about names and if they're good enough, we'll just list a bunch on this name generator and then use them. So Negrithil, Negrithil you like that I for like. the uh, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. The overarching culture. Yeah, maybe Romanesque one. That would be Clan Madol. We have another culture of people who are druidic slash shamanistic. Well, I guess that's Nargabar, right? But we're saying that's the Clan Nargabar. What yeah, is the, the, what is the overall culture? So the area that you are in, Gravor. Yeah, maybe that's who we're talking about. They're the Gravor. Yeah. Okay. The the Gravor clans. Well, Gravor is the area, and there are other people who live there. So what would you call this kind of guff? I would give them a dwarvish. Let's check it out. Yeah, something, oh, these are pretty good. Something guttural. Mm-hmm. I love guff. Just we are guff. Nargabar showed up <laughs> in the list because that's where I got the name. Carbazir. That's pretty good. Uckthar. Kind of like Uckthar. Uktharians. That's very orcish. Yeah. That's not yeah. Lord of the Rings, is it? Uckthar. Let's Google it. It's a person on Twitch. Oh. There's a guy. That's his last name. Okay. He's a consultant. So the Uckthar guff. I like that. Uckthar. Yeah. All right. So we got our guff down. Maybe we're doing a hard one next, but what about the Savathians? Oh, now, the... this is all post-cataclysm for the yes. Savathians. Here's the three I've got. Hedonistic, academic, and reformist, which is like the idea that we did something wrong. Now we're going to find a new way. I like that idea that there's reactions to the cataclysm. Mm-hmm. I would almost think there would be, when there are diaspora cultures, there's a thing called the cultural Doppler effect. Okay. Where sometimes the group of people that move that are in a foreign country more closely are associated with the way things used to be than the evolution of the culture in the place. Okay. Because so they like become the, like the American yeah, pilgrims. Yeah, be, because mm-hmm. they become isolated. The thing that I would like to do, I don't know, if maybe hedonistic would work, but the idea of there's an academic one, they're trying to figure out what happened. There's a diaspora culture that's just trying to maintain. So maybe. You'd imagine they all landed on shore with zero culture. Yeah. yeah. Right? So maybe it's cobbled together from what they've heard about. Oh, just, just, yeah. What they think they were. Yes. So people like searching to find more. But it. But, it's but also, I love the idea of like hedonistic, like, yeah, we fucked up. Who cares? Why would we try to build civilization again? Yeah. You could just come around an isolated community of Savathians. Yeah. Well, who I mean, are just living the way they mm-hmm. live. You can see that in very orthodox communities that are insular, even in America. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. look look at the Amish, Orthodox Jews in New Jersey. Mennonites and stuff. Yeah. I mean, even the Quakers, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. so this happens. We know it happens. And, of course, the pilgrims that came over. Yeah. I mean, they, there's some extra stuff that happened <laughs> with the Protestant Reformation. But, yeah, so that's a good idea. Why don't we do that? But the difference is they don't actually have a connection to the original source material. They've kind of just cobbled it together. Yeah, from rumors and old documents and that kind of thing. It's almost like a Asatru, the Norse mm-hmm. paganism that exists today, was actually cobbled together, I think, in the 60s. Yeah. It could be like that. Or the Irish Cultural Revolution after occupation. And like step dancing. They're like, that was a big thing. And it's, now people are like, no, that was never a thing. That came <laughs> No, 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 no. Step it dancing was, a, was thing. a thing. It's just not the thing yeah, that not, we think it is. Exactly. Like It's the thing that's in Canada. What we Nova Scotia. Yeah, in Nova, Nova Scotia. Scotia. And it's way more animated. Mm-hmm. And, well, <laughs> and, and I want to point out that uh, Max came in here last time wearing a Michael Flatley t-shirt. Yes. Hell yeah. Lord <laughs> of the Dance. So that is the Savathian... They are a fundamentalist. Looking back to recreate, looking back to is, is there a apologize. Word, is there a term for this where you are um, you idolize the past, but you don't necessarily know what it is? But you're I mean that's almost nostalgia, but maybe a nostalgic culture. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're a nostalgic. That's a great way to put it. They're a nostalgic culture. Let's find a name for them. Let's look up Elvish names, huh? The Aren. Ooh, I like that. It's simple. E-R-E-N. Yeah, it's simple, short. It's easy to say. 
Okay. E-R-E-N. So they are the nostalgic culture of Savathians who are trying to live by ideals that they think they used to have. Yeah, there's pieces of script here that kind of pasted them together. Like, all right. They love artifacts. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's the academic culture. Let's talk about them for a second. Yeah. So just saying it's academic is one thing, but maybe it comes from like a cultural pride of we used to be the best. Yeah. So whatever this world is currently, we're going to be the best of that. Yes. Instead of being connected to the past. They're forward-looking academic culture. They would probably be hired as diplomats and viziers of mm-hmm. this cultural form across the globe. So how would they identify as a culture, though? Like, what, what brings them together? Is it a school? Like, maybe one of them opens their first school, yeah. and then it's a university? That I like to think of them as maybe, like, kind of like Knights of the Grail, like Knights Errant. They are, they are trained at a central location. They are indoctrinated in their culture. Mm-hmm. It becomes mm-hmm. part of them, but part of that is to gather information from other places and eventually bring it back. Like like the Tiktani soloists almost. only mm-hmm. yeah but as an academic okay I like that idea you can think about it like the Mormons they have their own yes university in Utah uh-huh. they want people to return to Salt Lake yes. City and mm-hmm. or around that area in Utah but you're also supposed to go on missionary work exactly so okay I think that's a really good basis for, for what if this. they like once every ten years they like the elders come back together the conference for, like a synod or something that like could the, be a cool yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I like this. And what, you could what, totally use that in your games. We're like, I have to go home. Yeah. So and that would name... explain why this worldwide culture has one base. And can exist. Yeah. So do we name it after the person who had this idea, or do we name it after the region that they come from and who where they self-identify? Yeah, it would be the founder. They're forward-thinking. They start their history with the founder of this idea. Okay. Let's look yeah, up elvish like, female names. The Mormons that? have Deseret. Like. Well, there's Indel, Galenway. Mm. That's very Tolkien-esque. Gislaine? I like Lane. Oh, how about Lachelle? L-A-S-H-E-L-L? I'm not against that. Lachelaine? Lachelaine? Lachelaine. I like that. That flows, too. I like that, too. All right. Let's do that. Lachelaine. They come from Lachelaine University, and if you are outside of it, the people will refer to you as a Lachelie. Yes. For the hedonistic, it should just be the ones who don't truck with either. That is the reformist. The idea of whatever we did was evil, and that's why we were punished. Mm-hmm. Almost like the way forward, those guys. Maybe the bent on it should be, what we did was establish ourselves too much. We were too permanent. We were too monolithic, and they want to reform by being more present. Because they're also immortal, right? Functionally? Well, I think maybe that's the reason we should go f- for hedonism. It's because they're immortal, and they were spared. Yes. And they're like... We nothing matters, man. Like we mm-hmm. can we can just go full bore. Yeah, just hate Ashbury. <laughs> Sorry, San Francisco. Okay, so but would they have a culture? It'd be somewhere you probably don't want to go, right? Where they're immortal. Killing is the only thing that's not allowed. Maybe. Yeah, because that would invalidate the premise. <laughs> that would take away the gift they've been given. It's kind of do as they will. Right. Crowley esque. Yeah. 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 Okay. Do what thou wilt shall be the whole law. So what we call them. I think this I think this is a culture we definitely need to establish a thing they refer to themselves by and a thing that everyone else calls them because they there's a such a sharp divide. Okay. The Narsim or something. I like Narsim. I'll take that. They're the Narsim people. Yeah, but that's what everyone else calls them. They need their own proper mm-hmm. name for the, themselves that is less and they're totally slightly invited. less slanderous. Well, totally I think, invited I think on the floating city. <laughs> we can give them a very literal honorific. Yeah. For the slanderous one. Like, oh, you're the uh, the untethered. The indulgent. Yeah. Oh, you're an indulgent. Yeah. Libertines, like that kind mm-hmm. of thing. 
like the Marquis de Sade. Yeah. So I think even other libertines look at Marquis de Sade and kind of cringe. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody does because he is a very sad man. <laughs> yeah. Um, How do you guys feel about that? Yep. The Narsim, the Indulgent. They hail from Narcinium. There should be more than one Narcinium. Maybe the Narcinium is their they're like their where brothel they live. temple. Yeah. I like that. And the idea that they maybe engage in flesh magic, like the uh the Chimichi from uh Vampire, the Masquerade. Oh they, yeah. Like, reshape their bodies and shit. It's very much like uh did you guys watch Altered Carbon? Yes. Yeah. There's a fighting ring where they bring in the guy who runs the fighting ring has been like modified multiple times. Maybe that's their thing as they do it but through magic. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The Harad. I think the megalithic, we've pretty much got down. It's very Egyptian. Yeah. But they don't have a name. And we can spice them and flavor them later. I think we have a lot of flavor for them. Yeah. So I, I also, think... Also, Egyptian doesn't come up enough in fantasy for them being such a yeah. long-lived ancient culture. Yeah. Insanely long-lived. They just found... They survived the bronze collapse. So let's call them the, the Mera. Right. M-E-R-A. They found, like, settlements there. Not industrialized, but, you know, permanent settlements from 2,500 years before the start of the pyramids. Well, there's currently that controversy. I don't know how true it is. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Sphinx might be several thousand years older than the pyramids. I don't, I don't know. The, the thing about the pyramids, they know the progression of the pyramids. Mm-hmm. It was the... Do- they're documented, right? Yeah. So for things, people saying like, oh, the pyramids are super ancient. It's like, no, they have, they have that one. You know, like... Yeah, but also like... They're a little crazier than I learned as a kid. Like they're yeah. eight-sided, not four-sided. Mm-hmm. In the center of each side, it there is a vertex that the two yeah. sides meet, and you can only see it from above. That's fucking nuts. Well, they did nothing but time, and like this was for their gods. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have that because we don't really we don't believe in. Well, we that assume a we don't know who it was for, really. Like, yeah. there's several competing theories like, no, mm-hmm. it's uh, stellar. They do this. But there's there's so much going on right now with the pyramids because, like, there's a couple scientists who are being discredited over this because they're up against Egyptologists where they say, like, they don't accept that the Sphinx is much older than we think it is mm-hmm. because they now know that the face, from what I understand, they now know that the face of the Sphinx is not what it was originally carved as. They think an emperor came and changed the face Constantly. to his face. Yeah. Yeah, where it was it might have originally just been a lion. Mm-hmm. Well, they were doing that all the time of like you were the king and you made a statue of yourself. And the next king came along and didn't like you. Oh, yeah. just cut it off and be like, no, you didn't exist. Or re- Dude, ISIS is doing it right now. Yeah. Or like, replace huge amounts mm-hmm. of coins. You're just like, no, bring them back. We're resamping yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. I have the Mara. They're Egyptian, megalithic. They value permanent monuments. 
but not the stability. Truth. They're very stable. Yeah, they keep really good records. They're probably not particularly concerned with expansion. They're more of a, a, a trade. Yeah. They're a trade mm-hmm. empire. Heavily traditional. Yeah. They protect their borders, but they have no interest in... They're, they, they're non-interventionist. Yeah. Rude to people who know the truth. That What, that Guff invented everything? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Kicked them out of their universities. <laughs> All right. And the other two I had for them were uh, sun worshippers, uh-huh. which is the idea is that alligators have to lay in the sun to gather energy. Mm-hmm. So if they know that as being a way to get energy, there are v- versions of them that would just overdo it. Be berserkers. And ones that just go blind, you know, yeah. from looking at the sun and that kind of thing. I like that, actually. Maybe they're like mostly naked all the time or they cover themselves very little. Yeah. So is that a full culture? Or is that a religion? Might that might be a religion. be a religion. Well, that could be like the religion of a specific the religion with, with of the a nomads. Culture. Enjoy that. Maybe the nomadic yeah. culture. Yeah. yeah, that's like the dervish. You know, when you hear of a whirling dervish, oh, yeah. that's the dance of the of the, giving the, yourself over. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, how about let's look up some halfling town names for the nomadic peoples. Anpool or Rili, and they have Kedon, which is K E D O N. I like that one. Kedon. Kadan. Okay. Enjoy. All right. Our nomadic peoples are the Kadan. It sounds like Esmentrod can come from the Kadan. So they are sun-worshipping nomads. They're also traditionalist. I think maybe that'll be a thing that is with all of the Hrod, is Uh all of them are very traditionalist. But they're traditional. Oh, I want to do a thing with the third one then, if we're going to go traditionalist. Before you say yours, I have to say mine. All right. If we have the same idea, I'm going to be real happy. I highly doubt it. <laughs> so, all right. So, sun-worshipping nomads traditionalist. I want to use... The idea I just had, I want to use at some point. Okay. Why don't you tell me what it is? Uh, so, the first recorded Chinese dynasty, everyone thinks probably wasn't real, and it was used as propaganda to dethrone the first one. Mm. And I like the idea of, we're conservative. We're returning to the fantasy kingdom that exists. I like that. Mine was... Bayou. Okay, never mind. I'm into that for them, especially. They live in swamps. They practice voodoo. Yes. They wear straw hats and overalls. Okay. (laughs) But I I like the idea of a Cajun rod. Yeah. Haitian. What's like a a Cajun derivative name? So it's all French, obviously. Zydekins. A Cajun canoe is is called a Piro. I'm into that. But it's spelled P-I-R-O-G-U-E. Yes. I think maybe just spell it P-I-R-O-W. Yes. The P-Row. The P-Row Rod. P-Row. You don't, don't go around that area. You're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never make it out of there. Dueling banjos. like How, how would this culture... Because you also want characters to exist from these cultures. What would a P-Row be doing out adventuring? I think they should be more alligator than... Yeah, more alligator than crocodilian. Well, I think they would leave if they like. But they would also be Delta people. My mom got sick. Yeah. Got to go get some stuff. Got they could be anything. Or like, even, I heard, I heard or, there's plenty of dyron out there. Or, yeah. Or even just a situation where, like, most of my family died or moved. Yeah. I had no home left. Time time to go a wandering. Maybe, like, just a forgotten colony. Hero's cool. I'm into mm-hmm. that. You know Remy Ledoux? You mean Gambit? Yeah. That's Remy Lebeau. Oh, Remy. Oh. That's his cousin. No, that's because <laughs> your, your cousin isn't people with the same first name as you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Max just learned a lot about his family. Yeah. <laughs> so for the Harad, we have the Mera, who are the Egyptian, the Kedon, which are the nomads, and the Piro, which are the Bayou. Now, Gelt. All right, we've already got the underground, the guild-based ones. I think they're all guild-based, profession. They're all sticklers about contracts, contractual agreement, 
honor bound. You do what you say you'll do. Yeah. Maybe one lives in an iceberg. Yeah. I know Max has been a proponent <laughs> no. of that. I don't mind. Uh, so when I created Forsha, I said that she's a wolverine from the north. I'm into that. If they burrow in ice and glaciers, that's cool. Seem yeah. more like Ruski. Oh, also, mm-hmm. they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Soviet-esque. Yes. Okay, so Soviet-esque gelts who live in the ice. Just out of sheer necessity. Wolverines love it. Like, well, I mean, they'll just bury themselves in yeah. snow. I don't mean, I just mean like Soviet as not like a overarching ideal system, just as this is how we live. Yeah. So we don't Agreed. die. I, I, I would yeah. just, I would just they're very, they're very Latvian. Yeah. <laughs> the social contracts held makes them yeah. sturdy and monolithic. So the Wolverine, uh, in a lot of languages, their name translates to the glutton. They will eat until they just can't eat anymore, and they will eat way more than other mammals can eat uh-huh. to just stockpile calories. That is a very famine-focused adaptation. Yes. Which I think, if you live in a glacier, Makes that's sense. Very, it's also very Soviet. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's very, mm-hmm. those all fit. So what would you call them? But can you imagine, like, the hungrier coming? See, I looked up human town names. They have the Cilea. I dig that. C-I-L-E-A-H? Yeah. Cilea? I it's, like that, too. That's different mm-hmm. enough from everything else, too. It's almost Cyrillic. <laughs> I have to write mm-hmm. it in Cyrillic. Okay, the Cilea. We'll say Wolverines, Badgers. Then we have the underground ones that come up against the Tiktani. Yes. Almost all Mustelidsboro. Dwarvish town names. How about Umur? U-M- yes. U-M-U-R? These guys are more guild-based, right? Mm-hmm. And very political. Yes. Maybe not your allegiance to your guild changes. The situation from guild to guild is very flexible. Yeah, they're focused around political intrigue. Okay, we need one more. And the third one I wrote was uh, Athenian. Ancient Greece. They value democracy. But the they abs- aren't. <laughs> yeah, they, well, the absolution of guilds. Like, yeah, so the more like real democracy, one person, one vote, instead of the power being yes. put in one. Very philosophical and critical. Yeah. I like that because it also opens up to, in Athens, every year they would just vote someone out yeah, that they leave. didn't like. So there's your like... And it was always a politician. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. that's that's the danger of being a politician. It was, it was never an artist. It yeah. was never like, that guy's art sucks. So you're like, you've been voted out of your community and everything you've ever known. Now what? That would be a great start to a character. Mm. I got voted out. Yeah. Let's look up stuff that sounds Grecian. It should be like a longer name that sounds complicated because they're yes. high-minded. Little full of themselves. The Egald. Yeah, not good enough. Make it a little hard to pronounce. Come on. I don't know where you find Greek name generators. Is there like a... Um... Oh, shit. You can go way into this. Oh, quasi-historical. Babylonian. Oh, shit. Yo! Greek town names. Thera. Smedea. Menda. Domna. Alcinth. And names Kusia Sopi. Oh, kind of like Sopi. Sopi. S-O-P-I? Yes. So they are the Sopi. Yeah, this is great. The Donjon is amazing, by the way. Everybody, please use it. They have dungeon generators in it. It's incredible. Awesome. Let's look at Greek male names as well. Lyasiusin. I dig that because it's hard to pronounce, and I'm into that. Exijas. Like, these are amazing. It's amazing for us, too. Like, Latin we can kind of pick up, even though we're so far on. But Greek is just... It's all Greek to me. I like the Sopi. They are Athenian, democratic, philosophical, and treacherous. Eshwin. So there's an obvious Romani. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a nomadic version of them. Maybe only travel at night. A little superstitious, a little. Oh, I like, if they're really superstitious, yeah, they only that's... travel at night, but they're very musical culture. Let's look up 
ancient world here. Oh, man, there were Egyptian ones, too. We didn't look at them. Oh. I like this one a lot. What? For Egyptian. A-Q-Q-A-K. Akak. That is the capital city. Okay. So the capital city of, of Akak. Let's look at Sumerian. Sumerian. Hell yeah. Sumerian town name. The Nefar, B- I took from Nefertiti. Arsash, Bisa, Edon, Kalon, Ashur. I like Edon. Mm-hmm. That's I-D-O-N. I like Edon. Yeah. Is that the nomadic people? Yeah. Okay. The Edon. Okay, next. Bohemian, Czech. Renaissance culture. But I think that all fits with the idea we're going for. Very art-focused. I think one should just be Cossacks. Like, straight up, war is what we do, and everything else is just what happens in between. Were they very militarized? The Tudors? The no. Oh, Tudors would be great. Oh, yeah. okay. Tudors. A Tudor-based yeah. uh, Wait, Teutonic Knights? The Teutonic. Polish. The Teutonic. Oh, definitely. We call them the Larsa. I'm into yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah. You had me at Tudors, but Teutonic is cool, Teutonic, too. Yeah. The reason why I'm thinking Teutonic Knights is the most famous picture I have one of in my head has just straight up bat wings on his helmet. Yes. They took an area of Eastern Europe and made it more German than the rest of Germany. Like, yeah. That's insane. The third idea I had for Eshwin was uh, Las Vegas slash Mafia-esque. I'm into that, but I'm not sure for Eshwin. The idea of, like, you talk to this person, they run this whole organized crime syndicate, and is a whole culture... Wh- I think the that should, be a lo- that should definitely be a location. Well, I was thinking, think of the Yakuza, how it's widespread through all of Japan, and uh-huh. it influences every part of the culture. The American Mafia doesn't. Yeah, But true. what if it was like the Yakuza, but with the attitude of the American Mafia? Or actually the Russian Mafia, I think. It yeah. does a better job of that, of bridging those two. But I think that maybe that should be the hedonistic Savathians. They're, they're organized crime? Like I would feel like they, the what, idea of organizing, would they would hate it. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind of like the idea of like an organized family base, like here are the seven families. Mm-hmm. They control the town. You work within their framework. That's the way it goes. Is that the guilt? The it, does sound, guilt? it does sound, it does like, sound guilt. like more mm-hmm. like guilt. We can give three examples now. We can at any time yeah. expand. Yeah. There's no reason not to. Nesbit. Nesbit is so of them. Yeah. But you would describe Las Vegas as a culture. Yes. Definitely, yeah. Like it is a, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's literally a, a town, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's but, also a vibe and a tone. And Las Vegas sets the culture for things that happen in Atlantic City on the other side of yes. the country. Yeah. We don't have a name for that culture, I don't think, other than gambling. Casino the movie, the culture. Exactly. Yeah. So so what about that for, for them? How do you feel about that? It just still feeling feeling more guilt. What's the third Eshwin culture then, so if yeah, not we the have, organized we have, crime? I'm saying Teutonic Knights. That's the one. Oh, okay. We didn't go with the Renaissance oh, check. I, I thought that was going to be the main. Oh, let, let's do that. Let's yeah. make the Bohemian version. Okay, so so let's come up with a name for the Renaissance slash Bohemian. Yeah. And I figured this would be the stinky culture. Mm. The real vampire culture. Yes. Let's, like, let's yeah. get into that. I kind of like Susa. Yes. S-U-S-A? No, that's great. Like it's Susan, but without the end? The, yeah. The, the Susa? The Susavan. Okay, so they are the Susa. If you are a member, you are Susavan. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. Everybody yeah. cool with that? All right. Totally. Are there any more racial cultures? Yes. All right. We're trying to find the mob culture, right? Where to put it? We should just sit down and get three non-racial-based cultures, cultures that exist beyond race. Well, I feel like Akinotion kind of does that, but maybe that's the thing that Tolden do best. They have things that are inclusive that bring everybody else into them, but they mm-hmm. Tolden run it. So the Akinotion Empire is multicultural, yeah. but it's run by the Tolden. Does that work? Yeah. yeah. Let's table the Las Vegas slash Mafia thing for the Tolden. It is a great... Okay, uh, Krex, the bird people. So I think a real easy win for the Krex is a nocturnal culture. So we're talking... 
owls. The court of owls. Yeah, uh, corvids, that kind of thing. They worship the moon. I like it a lot. Okay, okay. M- moon worshippers, what do they do? Where do they build their cities? How do they function? What's their government? I think they would primarily... Monarchal? Matriarchal. Matriarch. Into that. Yeah. Right. Matriarchal, moon worshippers. They value stealth, silence... I think that would be almost their druidic, like out in the woods culture, not the most. They're the ones who build Stonehenge. Yes. They're not building stone houses. They're building stone monuments. I'm looking up Celtic town names. I kind of like this one. It's Glane. G-L-A-N-E. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Glane. That is our nocturnal, druidic. Matriarchal. Matriarchal. What region? What kind of environment would they live in? We think of the For- bayou as the swamp, right? Forested, temperate areas. Heavy forest. Okay, heavily forested. I'm thinking like, yeah, redwoods, England before industrialization. Yeah. All right, so the opposite of that then is our next culture, the high mountain cracks, like the mm-hmm. condors, the eagles. Yes. Uh, I think they should be strong monarchies. I almost think they would be... Utilitarian. I almost think it'd be like the Wild West, where it's... Uh, warlord warlord based you know like the little little bit of feudalism yeah Mm -hmm. the the biggest bird gets the worm (laughs) you know like that kind of thing so they would be more like mountainous great plain kind of yeah like the Mm step-up peoples like the the mongols yeah oh yeah okay so you have kings and then lesser kings who pay homage to greater kings oh my god i like that idea mongols with six shooters and winchesters that's a fun. That's a whole nother game, but yes. Mm-hmm. And they're incredibly religious, and each one worships a mountain? Ooh, oh, they live yeah. on their gods. That would be a cool mm-hmm. idea, yeah. Their gods literally give them support. Babylonian town names. Archon? So what A-R-Q-A-N? If... I like that. But were we having Thunderbirds as one of our... Yeah, they would worship so would they that worship the too? Thunderbirds? The mountains are fallen Thunderbirds. Oh, or maybe... Yeah. The Thunderbird is the avatar of a of god. Of their god, who visits them every once in a while. Yeah. So they see they as, see it as, as punishment or praise. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the Archon? Yes. The last one I had was Rainforest, which would be, you know, like Birds of Paradise and stuff like that. But if you guys have a better idea. I would, sea-based. There's so many cool seabirds. Oh, like the yeah. albatross. Yeah. And pelicans, seagulls. Seagulls, mm-hmm. yeah. Puffins. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, we could do that. What type of sea peoples? What are the... They have, um, to, they have to use boats because they can't fly. But who are the boats? These bo- are non-flighted yeah. flighted birds. Like the Vietnamese boat people or the divers? For some reason, I almost want to see them as like main fishermen. Oh. Just longshoremen. Yeah. I kind of like that idea. The sea's a harsh mistress. And, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. She's the subject of the song Brandy. Yeah. Yeah. A little Irish, New England. The seabirds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's cable knit sweaters and... Algonquin. Yeah. Algonquin male names, town names. Yes. Exactly what we're looking for. There is the Mati, which I think is something else. I think it's like six things. Okay. There's the Awes, A-W-E-S. I like that. Awes. Awes. I like that. Ooh, I like this one actually a little more. The Eluak, E-L-O-O-A-K. I'm in Which that. is similar to the Aleut, right? Yeah. Which, which is a seafaring yeah. uh, Alaskan native people. Yes. All right. So the Eluak. Yeah, so seafarers, but not like Viking raiders, just straight up fishermen. In- Individualists. Like, yeah. yeah, fishermen. In- like Inuit, Aleut, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so the cracks, we've got the Glane, the Arkan, and the Eloak. All right. All that's left is the Tiktani and the Tolden. With the Tiktani, we just have named choruses? Yes. 
So we already have one named, which is the Batarost, which is the people who employed the characters in our current game. Stag beetle people? I think it's not based on their physical appearance. Okay. We need something that they find important. So these people are in, they're beneath Tulane, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But what do they care about? Not money. Definitely not money. They don't none care of, about none money. None of them are money. They, I mean, the only reason they would care about it is what it can provide them from someone else. What about academic pursuits? All right. Maybe they pick one. Everyone is enjoying one thing particularly. Because the chorus kind of biases them towards something. Yes. So one it's of them... It's not combat. One of them is cosmic, outward looking. One okay. of them... Maybe we, that's Batarost. They care about the cosmic implications. Yes. Or maybe they're political. One is external. One is internal. One is interpersonal. Mm, okay. So we got cosmic. We have deep philosophical. And then we have the political, the interpersonal. So let's say Batarost... They just want the raw adventure. They don't care about money. They don't care about any of those things. They they value valor and altruism. Well, maybe and cowardice. They want the full because all of three of these are based around oh, experience. They want bravery and fear. Yeah. So so the full spectrum of physical experiences. They see both the Bravo and the Monk as valid. Yeah, that's what they want from their soloists. So you're thinking cosmic? So they, they, they think rather about than, the... Rather than cosmic, it's just outward. What do their effects have on the world at large? Oh, so maybe scientific. Yes. Or... So they want to know more about the external world, period. Yes. The stars, the world above, but they don't get want to get involved. They just want to know. No. They want to bring it back. What's cool? How about the the Venazka? Think, yeah, think of something snappier. Kilcha? Mm-hmm. The ahas. <laughs> Take on me. Take me on. The suna, S-U-N-A. I like that more. Okay. They want to know about cultures, science, gods, that kind of thing. And it's not so much academic as much as experiential. They're all experiential. Yeah. The next one cares about philosophy and the meaning of things more than... The, the wise. Exactly. The Dagon, which reminds me of Dagon. Yeah. Which is cool in its own way how about the uh enoch yes i-n-n-a-q i like that immediately All right, the my opinion on these names has a lot to do with how fun it is to say okay and the toldans we have the akinosian empire which yes. is big and that one is uh imperial expansionist civil war and then we have the mafia based one yeah which i think we should go more roman but they're a kind of a culture within a culture i mean they have their own cities but they probably exist in other cultures places yeah, but you would know if somebody is from that culture. Yes. Tree aliens? Sounds like... Aliens. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like there's three aliens. Lonia? And yeah. you're a Lonian. Yes. Okay. So Lonians are mafia, Las Vegas, black market gambling. Yeah, the mythicized organized crime. And what's our third for the Echinoceans? Well, let's let's try and go hard left on the other two. Okay, so we have imperial, subversive. And then we have like familia. Maybe agrarian? Like there are strong agrarian cultures yeah. in uh, in world history. All right, so let's go fiendish, huh? The Vano. V-A-N-O? I'm into that. All right, Vano. Agrarian, pastoral. Very uh, holiday-based? Calendar-focused. Very pagan-esque. Superstitious. Seasons, yeah. Okay, I like that. I think that's everything. We got through a ton here, and yes. I, know, I know that's a lot to listen to, but it's going to really expand our world. I hope that if you don't like any of these cultures for the character you want to make, for the race you've chosen, that it will still 
give you a guide on how to think about that race in this world. Yeah, what facets come forward first? It's going to take some work to flesh these out. If you guys are interested, I did an interview on game design with Richard Pullman, a podcast that's available via his Patreon. I posted about it in our Patreon if you want to check it out. But if you're into the idea of just designing games, he runs a whole community of game designers on Discord. They have their own game design general Discord server. It's a pretty cool place. There's a lot of people working on stuff. And if you need to get ideas or feedback about mechanics that you've had, I would definitely check it out. Also, Doug and I from this podcast and from Ghostbusters are going to be up in North Carolina October 19th through the 21st at AVL Scarefest. If you're in the Carolinas and you survived the hurricane, we'd love to see you. It is at the Montreat Convention Center up in North Carolina. So check it out. It's pretty secluded, so it's the perfect place that if you wanted to kill somebody, we could turn it into a sweet murder mystery game. Also, Asheville has great tacos. If you like this podcast, if you want to get involved, if you want to play the game with your friends, patrons, at every tier we have, get something. At the $5 tier, you get access to every PDF we put out that is an ever-growing rule book on how to play this game. And it's going to change Every time we put out a PDF, if you're in that tier with us, you can experience it with us. If you want to know what it sounds like to play that game, please listen to our playtest, The Echoes of the Star Crypt. We are having an awesome time making it. Thank you all for listening, and until next time, stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.